In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of new life. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. Good morning. I have met several of you already, just now, uh, over a coffee hour, and I have forgotten every name that I learned. <laughs> Don't be surprised, that's a pattern that will repeat over and over. Uh, it's not that I don't like you, it's that I'm terrible with names, and uh, so I'm going to get it eventually, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me a while. What a privilege to be with you this morning. Becky and I uh, arrived earlier in the week. Um, we, we had a terrific time coming down uh, separately, um, unfortunately, but, uh, um, but it was a more fun, more fun drive than we thought it would be. But I know that none of you actually care about Becky or me nearly as much as you care about my nephew. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's the one who's uh, the walk-on on the Texas football team, and his parents are here also. My sister Julie and her husband Frank are here this morning, so um, forget me. They're the ones you want to meet. Um, <laughs> when I was in seminary, we had uh, a class, as I'm sure you, it won't surprise you to know, they, they teach a class called homiletics, which is like a, a multi-thousand dollar word for preaching. And we had a really good uh, teacher, Mary Dealey, a, a terrific Roman Catholic woman who was an excellent preacher, and she had an exercise she did. She would go through the Gospels and find the most hellishly difficult texts to preach and assign them to us and say, hey, this one's going to come up. Be ready. You don't just get to preach the fun ones. You get to preach about where wedding guests are supposed to sit. <laughs> and sit here and not there. So you get called up to this and everything. She said, you know, you need to learn how to preach the hard gospels. Actually, this is not all that hard, because it, uh, at least not for, for clergy, because um, we always know where to sit at a wedding feast, which is at the odds and ends table uh, with the weird aunt and everything. That's where they always, they always put you there. But fortunately, uh, we don't just have the gospel reading. We can, we can fall back if we need to on some of the others. Usually the epistle is a great place to go for good sermon, Father. Oh, I see that this week it's about God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Okay, so we're not going there. But I promise that if I find myself preaching here in three years when this uh, reading comes up again, I'm going straight into it. So get ready. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to stick with this gospel reading, difficult though it is. I think if we read it carefully, we'll find that there is both some wise advice and some good news for the people of all saints. It's just that it's a little more subtle than the gospel usually is. I don't think this is about um, playing tricks to seat yourself in this place because I'll invite you to come on. All of you that are back on the back row, not going to happen. Sorry, you're still just going to stay right there. Um, but, but actually, there's some wisdom hidden in the, in the language if you're paying attention, if you're noticing it. If you take a look at your bulletin at the gospel reading itself, 
Um, it, Jesus goes to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath. Now that doesn't sound too uh, like too big a deal to us, but the thing you need to know about Pharisees, they were religious leaders of the time. They tend to get trashed from pulpits, which is a shame because Pharisees are not bad people. In fact, most Episcopalians, I would say, are Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees were the religious leaders who always knew the right answer. There was a right way and a wrong way to do it. Is this, is this ringing a bell? Okay. Imagine that in Texas, too. So there was a right way and a wrong way to do things, and the Pharisees knew. So they knew all the rules. They knew in every situation what was appropriate, what was inappropriate. They were the keepers of propriety. And I say that not jokingly. I mean, they really were good at it. That's why they were in their job. And so the reason that they tend to get a bad rap in the gospel is because that's the extent of their vision. They had learned all the rules. They had learned the proper way of doing things and their knowledge, the things they knew, stood in the way of actually having any wisdom. Their knowledge stood in the way of seeing with spiritual eyes. So what happens in this gospel reading, if you're, if you're following along here, so they go to the house of the leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, and they were watching him closely. I know how he felt. Because I know, I know that this is a room of Episcopalians and I'm being watched closely right now. But what happens next? Do we read anything about any observations that they made, any, anything they learned from their watching him closely, looking for errors? That's why they were watching him closely, hoping he would mess something up, violate the Sabbath somehow. No. Straight on to the next sentence. When he, that's Jesus, noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. So they were watching, but it's Jesus who does the noticing. And why? Because Jesus went into that encounter not thinking he already knew. Jesus went into that encounter with some humility which is what goes on, that's, that's what he teaches a parable about, is humility. And he teaches it not because he's trying to rework an etiquette rule, but rather he is painstakingly teaching his disciples, wherever they may be, how to see with spiritual eyes and with wisdom. So, while I was not gifted today for my, for my first sermon to you with an easy gospel to preach, I would say that this is an important one. I think it has a lot to do with our call here at All Saints right now. What is All Saints called to do right now? It's been a pleasure over the last week and for some of you uh, even before that to speak with people um, about what's going on at All Saints, what's, what's uh, come before me arriving here. This is not day one. We're well into 120 years into the mission of, of All Saints. Um, 
All saints have seen him come and seen him go. And in some of the conversations you see, you hear, I have heard from people who are, who are understandably very eager to say, okay, I know what we need to do. We need to do this, 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 and this. And most of what I've heard along those lines has actually been really good observations. The observations have been, in my estimation, right. Except that I don't think that's what we're called to. I don't think we're called to be right right now. I think we're called to be observant and pay attention to ways we might be caught up short. Let me give you an example. It is unnerving to me to, uh, uh, to understand how much I'm sitting in judgment right now, uh, or being judged, as, I, uh, as it says, all these things about, you know, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you. You'd, you'd be repaid. When you give a, blank, a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And as much as I want to shake a finger and say, yeah, do that, I parked in a spot marked reserved for rector. <laughs> and it's the best parking space in the whole lot. And I parked there last night too when I went to the uh, to the game, and I love that. And I hope maybe we can maybe we can keep that reserved for rector sign. But I wonder if it would make sense for us to put it somewhere else and reserve something else for the rector. And what would we reserve instead for the people who visit All Saints for the first time? What if instead of reserved for rector, they saw reserved for the poor? the crippled, the, lie, the lame, and the blind, or the lonely, or the searching, or the desperate, the fearful, the broken. What would it look like to have a sign like that and welcome the right people for the places of honor? Uh, I, don't get me wrong, I really loved parking there. It was great. <laughs> But here's the thing, I get here early and I can park in the next space over and I'll be fine. Um, I think there's an opportunity there. I think there's an opportunity for us to, uh, to practice some humility as a congregation and exercise not what we know is the right thing to do, but some listening and some discernment about what God would have us do. Becky and I um, have had an interesting path, if nothing else, geographically. Becky, I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, um, went out to North Carolina uh, and, and went to college there, then moved up to Washington, D.C. That's where I met Becky. And um, we, worked, uh, we worked for the same company there for, for a good while. Uh, left and moved to Chicago, and then from Chicago ended up uh, out in California. Um, all unexpected stuff. I never imagined that, that life would take me to those kind of places, and especially the California place. Uh, that's, you know, that's where, I always heard people say that's where God sends all the crazy people so that they go to California and then the big one comes. <laughs> they fall off, you know. And I never thought I'd be one of those crazy people out there, but you know, uh, but God has a way of calling you to strange places. What I love about it 
is that the desert is, is on one level so bleak that some people just see nothing but rocks and dead stuff. But what I see is what I, all these biblical images of, of what blooms in the desert and what happens when the distractions are removed and you can pay attention to things that God is putting in front of you. So a couple of those that just come to mind. Back in 2006, our kids were, were uh, eight years old. We loaded up the, the van uh, and started, uh, put a bunch of DVDs in there, uh, and headed out with our twin uh, eight-year-olds first to Des Moines, Iowa to pick up Becky's mother. And we put her in the back. Now, are you getting the picture of the, the movie This Is Mirroring, right? Because <laughs> we're following the path of Route 66, including through Kansas and Dodge City, you know, and all of that. And then finally to the Grand Canyon with Imogene Coca in the car, you know. <laughs> and we get out there, and, and the goal was to take the kids out west because they had never seen it before, and in particular to see the Grand Canyon. And we go there, it was spectacular. Uh, we learned some things that I think, again, apply here, like there's a lot of angst about what happens if you dam the Colorado River. Does that destroy the ecology of, of this incredible place? And for our span, maybe, maybe. I'm not saying we shouldn't take that too seriously, but in the span of God's time, when you consider what's come and gone in the Colorado River, that Colorado River, um, dams, that's a blip, that's nothing. How self-important that we thought that anything we did to the Colorado River would make any difference in the span that God sees that thing. So we leave the, we leave the Grand Canyon and the kids had a great time. We, we head north up through Utah and uh, uh, to the Grand Staircase and, and because we were trying to time our stops correctly, if you're traveling with young children, um, you wanna do that. So we're looking ahead, and, and with, with no other information than the fact that there seemed to be a well-rated uh, Best Western Hotel along the way, we stopped in a place called Torrey, Utah. Don't know if you've ever been there. It's spec if you haven't, it's spectacular. It's worth going. But I've already ruined it for you because the best part was the surprise. Because you're not expecting much out in the middle of rural Utah. And you get up there and we, we pulled in and I don't know how we missed this. Again, it's the, uh, it's the difference between the Pharisees looking and, and Jesus noticing. But we pull into this place and we had to actually go into the hotel room first into a dark rundown room and pull the curtains open and look out from our window before we even noticed that there was a huge bright red mountain range right behind us spectacular in an enormous meadow in which we were seeing buffalo and and rabbits and deer and birds flying around it was spectacular and we just watched that for a while with the kids amazed at what was laid out right in front of us and then even better my mother-in-law said why don't you let me take the kids and you guys do whatever you want so, thank you, we found that they not only have that, but they have an amazing hot tub. I'm telling you, best western, Torrey, Utah. Um, so we enjoyed that for a while, and then said, well, what do you want to do now? The sun's going down, I, you know, 
what's to do in Torrey, Utah. We look across the street and there's a place, I don't remember the name of it, but it was a roadhouse. There's not much in Torrey, Utah, you know, near the Best Western, there's a Texaco down the street. But you, you, you look there and there's, well, there's a roadhouse, you wanna go over there and see what they got? So we go over there, um, had a little dinner, I think we ordered some nachos, and they were okay. They were okay, but we were just enjoying the time together. And so we just had one more just to say, well, and then we'll go on back. And as we were there just enjoying the rest and the, and the pleasure of being with each other and, and uh, having my mother-in-law who was shrewd enough to go back to the hotel room and take her hearing aids out and then it didn't matter what our kids did after that. <laughs> We're sitting there and thinking, well, the night's pretty much done, and that, but, but noticing also that we were the only ones in the place except for the one employee who was making the nachos. And, and then a couple of people came in and they were carrying these bags and we didn't know what they were, you know, hopefully not you know, a, a big hit or something. And they, they sat down and then the next thing you know, a, a couple more people have and they all have, they ba they all have bags. And they're all kind of trickling in a few at a time, and it's clear that they all know each other. And after a while, we realized what was going on is they began opening the bags. They were musicians. So each one would open something different. And the deal was that once a week at this roadhouse out in the middle of Torrey, Utah, the middle of nowhere, musicians from miles around would drive to get there for the appointed time, and they would just jam together. So we stayed for a long time because it was fantastic. And we never would have if I had been looking for something like that. Because the best stuff, the best stuff that God throws in our way comes when you're just open to whatever's gonna happen, not trying to orchestrate the whole thing but when you're open to what could be and just saying, maybe we'll just have a little bit more, maybe we'll just stay here a little bit longer because I'm enjoying being with you. God puts incredible things in the way there. Let me come back to that. So fast forward several years, we end up moving out to the desert uh, into uh, Palm Desert, California. Now, if you've never been there, it's, if you've watched a Roadrunner cartoon ever, you get the idea. Um, there are people throwing holes right on the side of mountains all the time. <laughs> it is, uh, they, seriously, there are roadrunners and coyotes out there. Um, we got a, a roadrunner in the church once, which was really amazing. It is hard, <laughs> it is hard to get a roadrunner out of a church, I want to tell you that, but we did it. Uh, it's, a, it's a really fun place, but... Um, and, and it's close to, uh, for, depending on your age, um, you'll recognize one or the other of these. It's really close to Palm Springs, for some of you, you'll know. Um, uh, for the rest of you, uh, it's really close to Coachella. And, <laughs> and we're kind of in between those two. But it's hard to figure out when you're on the ground in there. And when I had been there a couple of months, I took the advice of some friends who said, follow the road that the church is on. We we're on Highway 74 in California. He said, if you follow that road up, it becomes a, one of those hairpin turn roads going up the mountain. And as you come around one of the turns, there's a scenic lookout. And if you go there, you can see the entire Coachella Valley all at once. 
It is gorgeous. It's an amazing view. Uh, it's a very popular place after dark with, with some of the community. Um, but during the day, when you, when you look, you can see everything. And to the point, and it, then it all makes sense. So like our location never made sense to me. And the way we were situated on the hill and the way that our house was located and where that, how it all comes together. But when you see something from a couple of thousand feet up and you look down on it and you get that big picture, then like Jesus, you notice things. You start seeing some things come together and make sense that didn't make any sense at all before. And it wasn't until then that I noticed the position that St. Margaret's had looking out over the Coachella Valley. The view that we had and the charge that we had and the opportunity that we had. It didn't really occur to me until I saw it from that level. And I say these things because I think maybe that's the lesson of this gospel. What's supposed to happen during our time together, during this interim period, as you're looking for your permanent rector? Well, we could try to fix everything, and we'd fail. A better strategy, I think, might be for us to open spiritual eyes, to be a little humble, and imagine that we don't know everything yet that listening to each other and listening to people outside of ourselves and what they say about us might open our eyes to some wisdom that we would miss if we set ourselves immediately to the work of making everything right because god as we're as we're well aware has the capacity to do for us not just things that are amazing, but things that we never imagined. That's my hope for the months ahead for you and me together here at All Saints. What a privilege to be here. I've known about this place for years. The first time I came to Austin was shortly after I was ordained. I went to a to a, uh, a training meeting at St. David's, and I've been back a few times. Um, two trips ago, I was, I'll tell you the story if you're interested, it's not interesting, um, but I ended, up, <laughs> I ended up in a car with the dean of your cathedral over in Houston, and, and he was driving me and a few other folks uh, around Austin, showing me the important places to see in Austin. The first stop was All Saints. And he wanted to tell us everything that was going on here. And I've, I've known about you all that time. And my imagination has been running as I contemplated coming here. But my imagination is nothing compared to that of our God. So I just want to finish up and tell you that um, Paul, I think, makes this point best about humility, about about paying attention to what's in front of us so we can see what God has in mind when he writes in the book of Ephesians, glory to God, not us. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever 
and ever. Amen.